0: Friends so good to see you. My name's Douglas. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if this is your first time or you've been coming uh, for a few weeks, uh, then it is really great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us uh, this Sunday. We meet here every week here at 10.30 uh, and you are so welcome. Thank you for coming. We've been looking at a book uh, called 1 uh, Thessalonians. It's in the New Testament. You'd be well served by turning there now to chapters 2 and 3. I don't know about you, but... I find airport departures really difficult. Often you've left a loved one on the other side of security and you just meander through the departure area, just in shock, slightly stunned, probably sad, not sure of when you'll see them again. It's a difficult process. Everything is foggy as you're just there, left Randomly to buy coffee or juggle uh, the day ahead. We do that thing that we all do where you slowly walk towards your gate even though you don't need to be there for three hours just to check that gate 29 is still there. And it is. Hasn't gone anywhere. It's a difficult situation. We miss the people on the other side. We're sad. We can't believe we're not with them anymore, even though we were together such a short time before. We send those messages that we all send. Keep in touch. Let me know how you get on. Let me know when you get there. This morning, as I said, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapters 2 and 3, where we see Paul is away. He's left those he cares about. Those he longs to be with. He's had to leave them. He wants to be back alongside them, but he can't. So we see he's fired off this message to them. He writes. And now we're about to see he sends his friend. Let me read this morning's text for us. First Thessalonians chapters 2, verse 17 through to the end of chapter 3 for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the temperature had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remembered us kindly and longed to see us as we longed to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Friends, since he left and as they live their lives there in Thessalonica, I think this Part of the question, part of the, sorry, part of the letter here really begs the question for us this morning, begs the question for the reader of this letter. This is really our main point from this text. Really begs the question Do you believe Christ is coming again? Then live like it. Do you believe Christ is coming again? Then live like it. That's really the main point of this passage here. And I think with the reality of Christ's return in mind, really the heart of Paul's letter, this whole letter. I think we see our text splits into two halves. And so we have two points we're going to be looking at. First point is a glorious reward. A glorious reward. A second point, a life of glory. A life of glory. Of glory. Our first point is in, starts there in chapter 2, verse 17, all the way through to chapter 5 of, verse, of uh, chapter 3. And then the second point running from verses 6 to 13 in chapter 3. So let's begin verse 17, and our first point, a glorious reward. I think you can almost hear the taunts, the Thessalonians. Might have been receiving maybe at the grocery store or at the local coffee shop. Maybe as they were buying their morning tea. You can just imagine someone nudging them in the town. Jabbing them in the ribs. Saying, where is your leader? Where is that guy who claimed to be Roman? You know, that, that short guy. The guy, he seemed to be your leader. Is he, is he hiding somewhere? Where has he gone? Is he scared? Where is he? We see a shift. We see a turn away from that past topic that we were looking at in chapter 2 last week. And now we see Paul considering his absence from the city. He's wanting again to, to really encourage the believers there. That's the main purpose. He's wanting to remind them of his love. Like we see a few verses before, like a, a loving father that longs to be back with his family, like we heard from Josh in his letter a few weeks ago, I miss you, I want to be with you, you know me, you know this is true, you know my heart i 've been with you, so we don 't know maybe we maybe even paul doesn 't exactly know what the believers are thinking or what lies they might have been told by other people in the city but this section is just an encouragement it's a reminder i love you i love you i'm proud of you i'm so encouraged by you timothy tells me the same thing keep going keep being obedient keep trusting the lord and keep loving one another friends it's the same reminder for us here today as we open this text together keep going keep trusting the Lord keep loving one another so straight away look with me at verse 17 we see the use of brothers again this language again just so telling for us just signals a key break from what has just come before it it's a a word that I just love absolutely love the use of this word I think that here, if you're a Christian this morning, we are brothers and sisters. That is such an encouraging and exciting thing. It's such an amazing and truly remarkable thought that we are united by Christ. I really love this language of brother and sister. I honestly try to use it whenever I can. I think it conveys something so different, so other Within this city. Within this life. Within this world. If you trust Christ. If you're a Christian here this morning. Then we have something in common. We are a unique. And heavenly people. Bound together. Something that's beyond really our full understanding. Our full comprehension. All because of Christ's death on the cross. We're now closer in relationship. Than really any other family that you might have anywhere else. Even the people you grew up with. People you call when something maybe good or bad happens. Even all those people from your home country. Who might look and sound like you. Paul isn't using this language of brothers and sisters by accident. It's very deliberate here. Friend, if you're not a brother or sister here, then you're united to another group of people, a very different and very sad group of people. Friends, if you're not a Christian, then we are not brothers and sisters. You're not connected to me and the other Christians here in this room if you don't trust and believe in Christ. You're a brother and sister to the world. You're united with all the people in this city. That reject Christ. That rebel against him. That will spend eternity. Separated from God. It's a hard. But true reality. There's no way to to sugarcoat this. For you this morning. If you don't trust Christ. You're united to the world. You're united with all those. That are going to hell. This is what the. The cross means the cross of Jesus Christ is a very strong and strict and firm line in the sand. This is life and death. This is heaven or hell. But for you, friend, if we're so glad you are here, you are hearing this message, there's still time to call out to God. Still time to ask Him for the gift of faith. Ask Him to save you this morning. And we know Here that Paul has been torn away physically from the people he really has. He was completely run out of town. He was persecuted and all sorts. You Just imagine them scampering out of the city onto a a boat or something similar having to hide. It was such a hunted group of men. Yet Paul's heart is still with them. We see that in these opening uh, words. His heart still yearns for them. How sweet would have those words been for those receiving this letter when Paul was away from them. In person, not in heart. Such is his love for these people. I mean, how good, we all know this, after the last couple of years. How good is it to see people face to face? How good is it to see people face to face? I'm one of five children. Uh, scattered in various different countries and i have a sister uh, in australia haven't seen her since the beginning of 2020 and i've got a niece and nephew i've never met because of covid and then scheduling and me moving to a different country Uh, some of you guys many of you i think experienced the same thing even haven't seen family for even longer than that family members you've never met whose faces fade over time from our memories how Good is it seeing people face to face? How good is it hugging them, hearing their voice, looking them in the eye? In this section, I think we see really the defence of Paul's absence, but also a real encouragement to the believers. These are two things that are that are all mixed up together in just these opening verses. Because the reason for this absence, the reason for this, is the same. Same as the the reason for the hard time they're going through. is because of persecution. Persecution that drove Paul and others out of town. And it's the the persecution that's now separating them from him. It's the same persecution that the believers in Thessalonica are now experiencing. This is all wrapped up for us here. And we really have some, some clarity in verse 18. Look there. We see the author of the letter As we've already said, I've said as Paul. He wants to be there. He says, I, Paul. There's no doubt this letter is from Paul. Another interesting phrase follows there. Again and again, he says. Over and again, he's tried to get there. For some reason, he can't seem to make it work. Then we see why. Paul tells us, Satan hindered us. So for Paul here, there's no doubt. Friends, we know this to be true, that we know that Satan is alive and is working in this world, that like someone who's on death row, someone sentenced to death, someone who knows their outcome, Satan has nothing to lose. He's trying to drag others down with him and will do all that he can in this world to hinder our plants. This is really the tension we feel every day in this world this is the frustration we feel when doors close unexpectedly we also know that God is sovereign that nothing happens outside of his control and his purview we also know that at times he allows Satan to do things in this world that the plans of Satan will not overcome those of God we see this Acknowledged here in a way that Satan seeks to disrupt and thwart the plans. We don't know. We don't know anything about why and how Satan worked in Paul's life. But we see Paul clearly saying that Satan had hindered him. Paul wants to be there. Paul loves these people, but he can't get there. But what does he want to do over and over again? He wants to encourage them. So he writes, writes out what this means for them friends, what a joy verse 19 brings a verse I hope is a deep encouragement in your evangelism and your life here for the reminder it brings a few years ago on YouTube or on a website somewhere I saw an amazing video about a man called Nicholas Winton he'd been invited just to a big room like this full of people Several hundred there. He'd been given a, a seat but was not aware that he was the star of the show. Near the end of the, the presentation, uh, he was mentioned and the large crowd in the room were asked to stand. If this man, now old, if many years before he had helped them escape from a camp. To escape death. If they owed this man their life. As a young man Nicholas. Had helped many children. Escape and avoid a Nazi concentration camp. And in that room you watch this video. Just slowly but surely. Every person in that room. Stands to their feet. Really an amazing. And powerful moment. Every person standing is nicholas is told that over 669 children were saved from these death camps by him through his actions through boldness and bravery this man had helped save so many lives they'd all been spared because of him this is from the holocaust this is from the greatest tragedy and i think the most atrocious act of the 20th century Friends, how much greater, how much more important is the news of sparing someone from eternal damnation in hell? Hell is a very serious thing. What I love about that picture is I don't think we can imagine the joy of seeing someone one day in heaven That tells you, that taps you on the shoulder and tells you of how they came to hear the gospel and received faith. And what a joy it will be to hear of how the Lord maybe used you in this. Perhaps it was you that shared with them this gospel over a cup of chai and Al Jazeera. Maybe you were teaching at a youth group and you got to share this great joy with someone in their lifetime. As what is more likely is those names and those faces that you will never see, that will never know the full extent of how the Lord has used us in this life. Perhaps you support missionaries in far flung corners of the globe and maybe you helped fund or support their ministry in some way. Perhaps you discipled a lady and she went on to, to lead many others to the Lord that you just don't know about. Maybe you remember the conversation, but there was no sign of any response or growth at the time. But the Lord used that conversation to bring that person to faith. What a joy in heaven it will be to to see and to enjoy and, and hear about all those different connections. What an amazing privilege that will be. Friends, Paul here is... Saying that the Lord knows these connections. He has great joy in their returning to Himself. And your faithfulness to serve and to share, that at His return, these will be a boasting of yours. As you stand and see, as you look around the room and see what the Lord has done, we can have a a great hope that A, that the Lord will return, and B, That all those he has saved will be with him in glory. And that he will have used you to help others be there. What an amazing privilege. Friends, we know that it's he that brings the growth. That it's his seed that is planted. That he waters and brings new life. But here we also see the real joy from Paul. That we can have hope in Christ. And what he is doing. And that. What we witness here is just a glimpse. As you look around the room here, those who've come to faith even in the past few months or years here, all of this, even in this room, just a tiny glimpse, a tiny peek at eternity. All the surprises, all the amazing shocks that will be there as you see who else the Lord has saved. That person whose face you forgot, whose name you can't remember. Remember? Maybe that person just heard the gospel once. From that person in the village or that person in your neighborhood you shared with just once through the garden gate. Friends, maybe it was that person you prayed with, you met with, you read the Bible with for months and months and months. And then they moved on and you heard nothing else. So you've seen already in this book, these things are for God's glory for the Lord. He has done the work. And the Lord is doing. He's doing all these things. This should be our joy. Friends, what a privilege it is to serve the Lord through our lives. I was thinking this week about uh, those people that that worked uh, for the Queen in London. How their jobs and their lives have just changed. I was imagining perhaps the person that just joined her staff. Last Monday, maybe just three days before she died, as I thought about it, I imagine that person will have been so pleased that they had even just three days of service to the queen. Even those three days will have seemed like a great joy. am sure they'll talk about those three days for the rest of their life, even if they don't get included in the king's new household. Perhaps maybe they were... Those there that served for far longer. Those with more stories. More time spent in the Queen's presence. But nothing will ever change the fact that each one of them enjoyed this great privilege. This is the same for each of us here. No matter what you do. No matter where you're from. No matter how long you've been a Christian. doesn't matter how long you live. Please don't. Discount yourself. Maybe you're a teenager who follows the Lord. Whether you became a Christian last week or last month. You now, each of us, have the joy of serving the true and living King, King Jesus. He has chosen you. He has called each of you. You have been adopted. Such an important word been adopted into his house into his family and he will come again we're reminded of that again here to keep this at the forefront of our minds we don't know when he's coming again we don't know how long each of us will have to serve him it could just be three more days he could return on wednesday we just don't know not saying he will return on wednesday don't worry none of us know Our lives are to be in service to him for his glory. Friends, take joy, take comfort in the fact that we are serving him, that our reward is in heaven. We will see those who came to faith, those who have an eternity of worshiping God, uh, avoiding hell. How God used you, just little old you, sitting there. Friends, don't discount yourself. He's using you to bring forth his message of grace and reconciliation to many sinners. This means, though, we must share the gospel. That is our key job. We must share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. It's essential that people hear the gospel. People need to know that we are all sinners created by a holy God, that we have all rebelled against him. We've all turned away from him and deserve death for our sin. But God has made a way through his perfect son, Lord Jesus Christ, who came, lived a perfect life and died on the cross, rising again to beat sin and death, taking the punishment that you deserve so that you may be reconciled to God, that you may have eternal life. This is the message, friends, that we must Declare to those that we work with Those in our families who don't know Christ Of course we Open the whole Bible with people We walk them through what this looks like Friends maybe you only have Two minutes with someone We do this in our membership interviews Maybe you only have two or three minutes To share with someone We must share the gospel of Jesus Christ With people must share the gospel. Must tell people how the whole of the Bible points to Christ. How he had to come. He had to live a perfect life. He had to die. A punishment blood had to be poured out. That's only possible through Christ. Friends, this is your task. This is your message. This is what you've been called to do. The message you've been called to take to this city. To your workplace. To your family. If you're at home with children all day. This is the message your children need to hear. As we get to chapter 3. Paul wants them to know that he is the one who's sending Timothy. Part of his encouragement to them. Part of his care towards them is to send his closest men. See this great word again. Paul, uh, sorry, Timothy is described as a brother here. He's also described as God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. Really a pretty high commendation from Paul to Timothy. He is sending someone, this person chosen by Paul to go. Given this amazing title. This is really something though that every Christian is. We've already seen everyone called to be a co-worker with God as we go, as we declare this message we've been given. Timothy given this particular title and affirmation so that the people there know that he comes with authority and intimacy from Paul. Timothy has been with Paul in Thessalonica and then in Berea and now likely in Athens, which is where Paul's writing from. Paul there says that he so cares about the Christians there, so cares about this small local church, that he's willing to sacrifice just being on his own in Athens. So that Timothy can visit, he can encourage, and he can bring back a report of what's been going on. Verse 3 is clear. There is a real danger. See that word there, afflictions. This persecution, there's a real danger that will, it will have moved people. That so some will have fallen away. Some will have deserted their faith. It's not guaranteed, but it's at least a worry of Paul's as he's writing. But he reminds them again that they are destined for this. They are destined for this, for this persecution that Paul and other brothers told them. We see that before, he says beforehand. That we were to suffer affliction. We see that this persecution guaranteed in the life of a christian it's a certainty paul is not holding back he's not hiding this from the thessalonians or from us today Friends, we know that it's hard we know that the christians there and the christians here this morning i know you need reminding of this you need encouraging in this as we live in this world as we live in the difficulties and the challenges and the persecution. I went to, growing up in my teens, I went to a boarding school, many, many miles far away from my parents. Honestly, it was a ton of fun, uh, but I really missed them a lot. And I was in high school before Skype or before FaceTime, certainly before Zoom, I had a call once a week Uh, with my parents for about five minutes, couldn't see them, just on a phone. Uh, But my mom wonderfully wrote to me nearly every week. At some point during the week, a letter would arrive from her. Honestly, I really hope that handwritten notes do not go out of fashion. You should take the time to, to write to one another, to encourage one another. It is such a joy to receive handwritten letters. And they, these things, they were encouraging to the church in Thessalonica. And they were encouraging to me when I was in high school and uh, on my own, far away. Paul is taking the time, the, the effort to write. To remind them. To keep the faith. To remember Christ, that he will come again. That they will be with him. This will be their glorious reward taking the time because he loves them because he cares for them to say that their hope the same for you this morning your hope must be found in christ take comfort from this this morning he will come again you will spend eternity with him friends this also doesn't change the fact that satan is a deceiver that he prowls around like a lion We must be on guard. We must encourage one another. We must be sitting under the word of God. We must be calling out to the Lord in prayer. Caring for one another. Discipling one another. Growing spiritual muscle. Growing in encouragement and in our faith. Friends, Paul There in verse 5 really reminds them That this is a very real and present danger It's the same for us this morning friends. all of this, everything you see here is in vain If you give yourself over to sin And your temptation Yes, we face difficulties and lies Every day You may even be facing harsh, harsh persecution This week I think we really need to be realistic. We need to be aware. We need to be on guard and seek to encourage those around you. Be seeking ways to grow in your faith. Paul goes on to tell us what this looks like in our second point as we live, as we live a life of glory in this world. That's our second point, a life of glory. Look at me at verses 6 to 13. As we look at this second section, get to what Paul has been waiting for, this report from Timothy, so we hear how they're doing. We see from this that a life of glory really means two things. It means a life of faith. We see it means a life of love. We'll see how it means faith in God. It means growing in our trust and knowledge of God, especially in the of of harsh and hard realities. Of this gap. This in between that we live in. Between the already but not yet of eternity. And it means a life of love. Love for the Lord and love for one another. All of this mixed together here in our second point. You really see what a, a joy this brings for Paul. The, this, uh, this report from Timothy. He says it's good news. It brings glad tidings. This the kind of letter you get where there's just such a sense of relief is joy you see a summary of Paul's response there in verse 7 look there it says we have been comforted faith and love has been seen and even though Paul and the other brothers have been harassed and beaten and imprisoned as we heard last week despite all of this this is what brings comfort here I think we see a just a quick glimpse from Paul indirectly of what it means to love others, to truly care for them, it's to celebrate and to take encouragement from their faith, even when all around you might be trial and hardship. Friends, to love someone else is to, to take joy, to take encouragement in what the Lord is doing in their life, even when you yourself are struggling. I wonder if perhaps you get sick of hearing the good news and faithfulness of others. I wonder if you're really honest. You get tired of hearing how well someone else is doing. Tired of hearing how the Lord is using someone else. You don't feel like he's using you. Perhaps you secretly... Perhaps you quietly, in your own heart, long to hear how others have failed so that you can feel just a little bit better about yourself and your own sin, your own shame. Or are you like the the other brother, the story of the prodigal son, the one that's frustrated that someone else who was once so far off as been brought in and is celebrated and you feel like hey look I've just been here the whole time why is he being celebrated perhaps that's you this morning friends how we celebrate and how we receive encouragement from others tells us a lot about our own hearts it's easy to fake this it's easy to produce a smile or say you're encouraged Really, you know what's going on in your own heart. Do these things, as Paul says there in verse 8, do these things bring you so much joy and so much comfort that you can say like he does, that they bring you life. That's what this encouragement should be when you hear how well other believers are doing. It should bring you life. These metaphors from Paul, they're common and they're really crucial. We should be so full of joy from others that they bring us life as they, he says, stand fast. As the others, those around us, persevere in their faith. Perseverance in the faith. And life bringing joy. Friends, these are key factors of the Christian life. As you look to the left, as you look to the right... As you see those around you, brothers and sisters, clinging to the Lord, trusting him through thick and through thin. Friends, what an encouragement it should be to do life with other Christians. Such an encouragement. We should take joy, real heart joy, in the faithfulness and perseverance of other saints. Know that this is not easy. I think there should be a glimmer of it there should be a burning ember of joy when all around you looks like ashes this small ember of joy should be in the christian life some days glowing bright and strong and other days clinging to the lord clinging to hold on for another day friends we know that through the lord all of these things are possible And then how does Paul respond there? Look at verses 9 and 10. He asks a rhetorical question, simply saying, what can we do but praise God for the encouragement you are to us? As we pray for you, as I long to be with you, to continue teaching you so much about the faith. So we see that through all of this, Paul is driven just to thank God and praise him for what he has done through these believers, how God has used them to encourage this Tired, this busy, this under-pressure apostle. Friends, all of these things cause Paul to praise God and go to the Lord in prayer. Paul is just simply encouraged here by the work in them. What we don't see, we don't see Paul taking the credit for these things. I think we see Paul here humbly. Like he's done from the beginning of the letter There in chapter 1, just deflecting any kind of praise away from himself. Even though I think even we would be tempted to give him as he points to ours and the Thessalonians' attention to God. We'd be tempted to to point our gaze back to him. But he is constantly pointing us to the one who has done all of these things. Friends, hopefully this is the same. This is what you see here at Rack Evangelical. As the members... Here we'll meet later today. We'll hear some good reports, also some sad reports from Christians that we know both here in the city and further afield. And I hope you will see and hear that it's God who gets the glory for these things. We p- constantly praise God for all that he is doing here in the city. Praise him for the offering each week, for the changed lives we've seen here in Iraq. Even this year. And for the new members. That hopefully will bring in 11 new people. Joining from 5 different countries. Praise God. For all that he's doing here. Through this small and faithful congregation. Here in Russell Al Parents, Hearing updates within the life of a church. As Timothy has heard. Not just from random Christians. But we see from Paul that this is from a local church. This is so encouraging. And this should drive us to the Lord in prayer. Hope that you see that here week in and week out through our corporate prayer. How even this morning we praise God. We lift up other churches. We thank him for all that he's doing. Because this is encouraging. We praise God for it. Even when perhaps some of us, maybe this is you this morning, don't feel like it. We have weeks where we don't feel like it and weeks where we don't. Friends, these habits help us. This discipline of looking and seeing and praising God. Walking shoulder to shoulder in this life together. Pointing each other and our gaze constantly to God. Driving us to prayer, to praise Him. What we also see here is how we encourage those that we train and that we disciple We see in this at the end of verse 10, look there, that there will be things lacking in our faith. Amazingly, the Thessalonians didn't know everything. Friends, this may come as a shock to you, but neither do we here this morning, neither do the elders here know everything there is to know. That's why we still run foundations classes. Those won't be stopping anytime soon. We all need to hear those things. That's why we need to be discipling one another and studying God's word together. That's why that we, uh, when we've just preached through the whole Bible here, which we've nearly done uh, in the last 10 years as a church, newsflash, this might be a spoiler, but we're just going to go back through the Bible again. And if you come back, in 50 years' time, we'll just be doing the same things time and time again. These things are not going to change. These things should never change. Friends, we never graduate from the gospel. And we'll never know everything there is to know about God or his word. If we could, if we could just exhaust either of those things, they wouldn't be God's word. God wouldn't be God If we knew everything about him, we would just reach the end. If we knew it all, God wouldn't be worthy of our worship. He wouldn't be worth our praise. Let me remind you this morning, he is. We come before the God of all time and space, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. The one who never changes. The one who is always the same. But the one who we can not ever fully comprehend with our human mind. For he knows all things. He sees all things. And he created all things. And he is worthy. Friends, he alone is worthy of our praise. So you'll see here. And it will never graduate. We'll keep doing these things that you see here week in and week out. That is what we also see here from Paul is how we must know and care those that we disciple. Must be in their lives. Those that we've sent out. It's the same with our missionaries. It's the same with the interns that go from this place. It's the same with those that we live alongside. This means that we should be in each other's lives. This means more than just checking in. Checking in is great. A WhatsApp message is great. Do those things, but it should be more than that. It's being and living alongside each other. It means physically being face-to-face where possible with someone. It's sitting down with them, asking them good and hard questions about their life. And in all these things, as we walk shoulder-to-shoulder, it is pointing each other to the finished work of Christ in all these things. Those further afield, that's why the elders try to visit those that we've sent out whenever we can. I went to uh, Nepal in January. Uh, Josh was in Egypt uh, early this year. Went to go and see those churches and those partners there, to sit with them in their homes, to worship with their congregations, to pray with their members, to take them resources and encouragement. But the work that they're doing. That they really need encouragement. We needed to sit with them. To look them in the eye. To see how they were really doing. To know that they're not alone. In the work that, they've, that God has clearly called them to. Friends. We need to be supporting them. We need to be praying for them. And we need to be visiting them. But then coming back. As we did to our members meeting, returning, as you see here, returning with good reports. The highs and the lows of the Christian life. Friends, we do this to encourage those brothers to stay on the task. We do those things to encourage them. We do this because we love them. Because if you know any of those brothers, please write to them. Please call them. I'd encourage you. Please visit them. It was so deeply encouraging for them to have brothers and sisters turn up from a place that they love to bring glad tidings, to bring good news, and to encourage them face to face. As we turn to the last three verses, and there we see a prayer of Paul for this church. He's asking that God would help him to visit them. And that they would grow in love. And that they would also be found holy when Christ returns. Look there at those last three verses. Paul again makes it clear that it's God who does these things. It's God who is sovereign. We also see that Jesus is God. We must make no mistake about our Trinitarian God. And we must understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means he is God. Don't miss that Jesus Christ is God. Of course, Paul, we know, wants to be with them again, but he's also reminding them here of the fact that they have been saved. They are a, a united people. How are they united? United through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. As we said already, if you're a Christian here today, this is where your unity begins. Regardless of where you're from, or the color of your skin, or maybe the flag that you wave, or the king and queen that you might bow before. It is, again, that beautiful word. It is as adopted brothers and sisters that we gather here each week. Adopted. It means chosen. Chosen by God. Not accidental. Not because you wanted it or not because you worked really hard. Or because you were born in a Christian country or with Christian parents. But because God chose you. These last two verses tell us what you've been chosen for. have been chosen to live holy lives before God as we wait together for Christ's return and to, to love each other. There's two things are linked, and they, they go together. We will look next time at exactly what these holy and blameless lives look like, as Paul is about to speak specifically to the ways we're to abstain from sexual immorality and how we're to control our bodies and how we're to avoid impurity, how we live in obedience to God in chapter four. He encouraged friends. It is God who helps us in this. We need His help. Every one of us. We all come before the cross this morning. In this the same standing. The same place. Regardless of who you are. How long you've been a Christian. We all come with the same need of Christ this morning. Friends, As he equips us. He has given us all that we need for this fight. This life here together. Like any soldier though. You have to pick up. The weapons to use. You need to use the training that you have been given to fight for this holiness. Great thing about soldiers is that they're not doing things on their own. They're not going into battle alone. They're surrounded by other soldiers. They stand shoulder to shoulder, as we do here this morning. We stand shoulder to shoulder, united by what Christ. Has done for us. And this means church. That we need to be in each other's lives. We need to be walking alongside each other. Humbly. Seeking to share. To serve. And to love one another. To this point of love. And unity. Where we conclude our time. We know that from Psalm 133. About the joy of unity. What an amazing gift it is from God. It's this type of love. We see here in our final verses. Paul is clear that we are to abound in love. Gives us two groups that we are to love. And I I do think there is an order to that. He tells us that we are to love one another. I think that does mean those inside the church here. It's the same for the Thessalonians. It's the same for us this morning. Abound. Also, what does that mean? It means... When something comes in large quantities it should conjure images for us of overflowing of so much that it's hard to maintain and control we heard in our class this morning an encouraging testimony of love overflowing for others and they giving as they sought to bless one another what does that look like it something that grows it's something that encourages those around us as we are bound in love As we grow in holiness. As we grow in our faith together. together, This love and this unity in this body. Should grow and grow. Should be seeking to out love one another. To out give one another. In how we bless and how we serve. And how we lay our lives down for those here. And we also see Paul follow that with. And for all. That's because here. If you're a guest with us, we have a a lunch this morning. We'd love you to stick around and share that lunch with us. This love that Paul's talking about that lays its life down, that shares life and grows in love together is for all. It should spill out into the city. It should spill out into the community that we're part of. Here we're not just building a a holy huddle here for Christians To come and feel great about themselves and then to live in Christian houses and not interact with the world. We want you to be a place and a people where that love for one another spills out into, as Paul says, a love for all. As Christians, friends, as a church here in this city, we should be known. We should be a people known for our love. Our love for the Lord. Our love for one another. And our love for all those in this city. Maybe it's cooking a meal for a family you don't know. Maybe it's serving in children's ministry once a month. Maybe it's going out of your way like so many of you did this morning. To give someone a ride to church who couldn't be here. Because the bus driver didn't turn up. Or because the bus has broken down. Maybe it's visiting a church member in hospital. Maybe it's... Praying through the membership directory Praying through names of people Who you don't see very often Friends this is a type of love That we're talking about It's the type that goes out of its way To serve one another It's the type of love that is sacrificial How it puts you Before me It's the type of love that celebrates The things in other people's lives When my life is difficult The type of love that causes someone to lay their life down for their friends. Friends, this and all these things Jesus has perfectly done. And perfectly shown us humbly at the cross. Let us be a people that ask God to grow us in this as a family where we humbly come. Seeking to pray, seeking to serve, and seeking to love. Friends, there is a day. When Christ is coming again and all those who trust in him will be resurrected. On that day, let us be found holy, blameless and abounding in love.